Uh, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie from Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop Podcast, our running podcast about all things running. Yep. And uh, you get some nonsense with it, too. You get to hear about our struggles, tribulations, trials, and tribulations. It's another TR word. Trials, what? tribulations, and troubles. Aren't tribulations somewhat troubles? Yeah, but it's like even worse. Okay. Then <laughs> when like when I rolled my ankle, that was a tribulation. How about triumphs? Triumphs is that's a positive direction yep. to go. All right, we're gonna try to keep it light. <laughs> even Saucony triumphs whenever they come out. They do the very cushiony Good triumph. Yeah. Um hey Robbie. What's up? You having trouble finding gifts for people? I always. I know, right? Yeah. Everybody's so hard to buy for. Yeah. It's who doesn't have every we have everything we need. I know. Running shoes. <laughs> I mean, that's it. But we know a lot of athletes, don't we? Mm-hmm. I got a, a gift idea for you. Okay, go. Inside Tracker. Oh, all right. Because what's better than the gift of health? Because Inside Tracker checks all their biomarkers, recommends nutrition, health plans, like it gives it all to you. And uh, Megan, isn't there a special deal right now? Yeah. So for Black Friday, which is today, you can save $200 on Inside Tracker's Ultimate Plan plus their free Inner Age. It's the most comprehensive way to get personalized insight into your body's well being. Yo, my Inner Age is five years younger than my actual age, which was kind of cool and fun to hear. Is it right? But it's still old. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I actually did uh, do the Inner Age one and uh, I found out that I'm 45. Wow. So, Dude, yeah. I'd pay for that just to get a younger age. Yeah, well, I, I'll put um, that on my birth certificate. I want my older age for Boston qualification, but my younger age for, you know, just mental health. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to take advantage of this discount, you can go to insidetracker.com slash drop in today to save $200 on Inside Tracker's ultimate plan and free inner age. Ho, ho, ho. Mm. Stick that in a stocking. Yep. So guess what opens today? Grit registration. Lowest price that it will be. Yep. Oh, man. $39 and today only. And what do you get swag-wise? You get a crew neck sweatshirt, a knit cap, and as many patches as you can earn. Yeah, so this well, five. this year's uh, winter grit is called Summit Chase, and we're doing kind of like a mountain elevation theme. So similar to the last summer's grit, pick a distance, try to get there. We're also going to give away some Believe in the Run prize packs to those who have the most elevation gain over the month. So I'm pretty excited because oh, yeah. obviously grit's like one of my favorite things to do. First level, Olympus. Mm-hmm. Second level, Fuji. Third level, <laughs> Kilimanjaro. Fourth level, Denali. And the final level, can you guess what the highest? Everest. Level? Oh, there we go. There it is. That's the big one. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Those patches, it'll be similar to the Summer Grit where we had the movie patches. So the further you go, the more patches you earn. Try to catch them all. Yeah. So if you want to register, go to believeintherun.com slash grit. And for today only, you can get in for $39. Yeah, we look forward to going through the journey with you again. We love reposting the stories. We're going to give you all the artwork you need to uh, make your stories exciting and do Instagram posts or wherever you like to post. We'll give you packs like that. You'll be part of our weekly email. We'll be doing giveaways with Koros and Asics. There's all kinds of ways. It's just a fun month, and it's a great way to get through the dreary winter blues. Let's get into it, guys. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, for real. I did want to say 
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but let's just talk about our running because we're the most important part of this podcast. Yeah. That's why people come here. Let's be honest. It's it's the three pillars of belief in the run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We each get our own pillar. We do. And you only really need three. That fourth pillar, it's just, it's not even weight bearing. Are we talking about pillows or pillars? I don't know. Both. It sounds like you could say pillars. <laughs> okay. Enough <laughs> of the wordsmith. All right. All right. All right. So let's get into it. Let's start with Megan because let's admit it, you're our hero. Uh, Shiro. Shiro. Interesting. Um, why? Why? Because you're consistent. You're smart. I feel like we've talked about this many times. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so back on the triathlon training wagon, mm. and I did my first long ride this weekend, 40, 40 miles. Really? In yeah. Outside? No. Oh, I put I set my bike up on the Zwift inside. Okay. Robbie was just about to be impressed. And like, nah. <laughs> too too cold. Uh, besides, I'd have to learn how to use clip-ins then, and you know we're gonna wait until race day for that one. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, just see if you fall over. And... Well, it was fun. I to... practiced inside the house. It oh, was a okay. real treat. She used my Zwift account, and so we did get to test Strava. So this is this is a good learning moment for people. My Zwift account. She was using that so that she could do the bike ride and get all the control of like going uphill, downhill, and all that stuff on the trainer. But it would show up in my Strava as a ride I did. So after she did, and she did a nice job. I mean, it was an average of over 19 miles per hour for 40 miles. Um, and it loaded up to my Strava. I did the, you know, you can share. I did this run with somebody who didn't record. Yeah. Shared that to her. She accepted it, and I could delete it from my profile. So she still got... I got to put it on my Strava. The Ooh. credit for it. Which is really the only Using part that matters. Swift. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's why I did it. I was like, if I'm going to ride 40 miles, I got to do it on something that's going to show up on Strava. Now, the bonus, though, Zwift doesn't know. So I got experience points <laughs> for her doing a uh, 40 mile. Here's ride. what I have to say about it. It felt like an ultra marathon. Like it felt it wasn't like you're not tired, like hard effort, fast racing. Like, you know, that feeling. It's just like the this is. This sucks. It's patient. So it took you two hours almost? Yeah. Two hours on a bike. Do you watch your Zwift screen or do you watch a movie? I watched the Zwift. Oh, but so it was the Ravens game had just started. So I I had, I was watching the Zwift screen for most of it. And then. Actually, that's probably why it felt like an ultra marathon. That game was awful. I know. Uh, I don't even want to get in it. Probably people listening don't care about the Ravens, but God, it's the, it's the worst, best season ever. Mm -hmm. It's just. Every game just sucks. Until it doesn't in yeah. the last 10 seconds. Yeah, you really just need to watch the last yeah, should, minute of the Ravens. Uh-huh. You show up last minute, put it on, come and, in. Wow, we're talking football now. Yeah, yeah, we really yeah, we're switched, like barstool sports. switched sports here. All right, so Meg, what about running though? I mean, I, I like the fact that you're on a bike, and I know we've been doing some swimming. She's also good at swimming. Um, just running easy days right now. I haven't done like any real. Are you going to do work. a workout tomorrow? I'm going to try one tomorrow. Aren't you going to try a fun shoe? Yes. What's the shoe? The Puma Fast R. Yeah, Fast Dash R. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll Some see how that feels. Some people might pronounce it faster. That's probably what most people are going to say. Yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to say it like that. No, fast I don't know. R- it's Fast, fast R. R, but like faster. if you put it together, it's faster. I see what they did there. Yeah, if it had a bastards underneath of it, it would be Ooh. perfect. Do you want fast to handwrite that on my shoes? <laughs> yeah, we should do fast dash R B dash asterds. Bastards. Good plan. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what you think of that shoe. 
Like On step in, it felt pretty good. We've gotten a chance to hold it. It's got a really nice, soft, gushy front. It's got a plate, and then it's got a firmer heel. It's decoupled. It's got a lightweight upper. It looks we're not like allowed it could to, be fun. We're not allowed to show it yet. That's why we don't have it on yeah, the you can't, cameras. You can't see it. Yeah. It's not on Meg's feet. What are we all wearing on our feet right now? Oh. Duckers. We all we all are wearing boots. the boots, and it's crazy. Because, I should, yeah, yeah, I should you got to put your foot up. I have my featured socks on. Look at stretch, him go. Stretch oh, that leg. Nice. There go. All of us are wearing this boot right here, and I think all of us are in love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a great time to segue. We'll come back to our running. Yeah, um, we'll get back to it. But we do have a holiday gift guide out on our website right now, and that's on the holiday gift guide because it's like my favorite thing for the holidays. Easily. It, I will guarantee whoever you give this boot to, if they don't already love you, they, they are going to love you. Every time they put this on, they're going to be like having good endorphins going. And they, they're going to relate that to I'm you. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how to get another pair because I know I'm going to like wear through these the whole winter. Just, By the just way, we're not even. next year with a new colorway. <laughs> we're not even paid for this, so we yeah. should be though. Um, anyways, so a holiday gift guide, check that out. There's a bunch of cool items in there. That's on the website. We'll be promoting that over the next couple of weeks. Um, Thomas, how's your running going? I was going to shoot to you because you're, you're starting your first marathon Oh, to block. me? Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah. So I did a kind of like first long run last weekend. It was a trail run, actually. I know. It Dangerous. scares me because Robbie, for some reason, finds a way. It's like nature finds a way. Robbie finds a way. What do you mean he finds a way? He's going out on trails. He knows what he's he doing. Wore an, he wore an ankle brace. I did, actually. Okay. I was smart about that because especially when the trails are covered with leaves, it is dicey. It's treacherous. Yeah, so and it was like 27 degrees when I ran that. It was dark out. <laughs> like had the headlamp going. Yeah, that's that's like this is why I used to run trails all the time. And I I when I wanted to really focus on road races, I knew that I had to step away from I like so I love doing trail runs for marathon training mixed in because one time one feet is usually longer. Yeah. And it kind of helps your tired legs a little bit. It's great for you until you step in a hole (laughs) or (laughs) on a rock. It's great until it's not. And I feel like just there's part of me that growing up in the country, now living in the city, it's like sometimes I just have to get out like of the pavement and everything and just be in the woods. He likes the banjos. I just need it. (laughs) (laughs) Banjo picking on the porch. (laughs) Exactly. Um but it, you know, pretty good so far. Um, Megan had me do a hill workout last week, so that was that was good. You did it in a parking garage. I did. Nailed it. Um, Country boy style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the concrete jungle. Yeah. But you know how when you start marathon training or ending marathon training, there's always bound to be craziness. So of course, like my one kid was sick, waking up all the time. Uh, I got like. A bloody nose in the middle of the night randomly. And I'm like, what is going on? It's this chaos. Dry air. Yesterday, you know, like I've had this like tinnitus thing going on in my ear for the last week, which has been driving me nuts and I have to go to the doctor for it. But yesterday I'm sitting on the couch and my three-year-old just, they're fighting with Nerf guns and I'm trying to finish like work. And then <laughs> I see where this is going. Oh man. So out of nowhere, I get blasted in the ear, in my other ear, with a Nerf dart, like, from a foot away. And it hit me, like, right in the hole of the ear. Kids are great. And I was, like, lost it. And I'm like, what the hell? 
Because it's just ring. This ear right. is ringing as loud as it can. I thought he like. I was like, "Did you just break my eardrum?" Because oh I've my done gosh. that before, and it was like that. As much as you dislike yelling at your kids as a parent, yeah, is there not some feeling of power when you see when you lose it? Everybody freeze and their eyes just widen up like yeah, a deer. That <laughs> happens. <Yeah. laughs> like everything stops, and, and for a moment you're like, "I am the master of this domain." <laughs> yeah, I mean. It is. I know what you're saying. It's kind of true. But yeah, he, he felt bad and cried because I was like... <laughs> Which he should. I was actually pretty like generally calm about it. Like just at first I was like, you just don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so then, is your ear okay? Yeah, I think so. But okay. you like, by the way, Nerf guns these days, they're not the Nerf guns they when pack we were kids. A <laughs> like, yeah. They shoot like they shoot 80 feet far. per second. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. So, um, so that was interesting. But... Otherwise, it's going well. Yeah, to this morning, it's just like 37 degrees. It's such a great time to be out it there. It felt colder, though. It was windy. It was getting windy. a little windy, yeah. It said it feels like 20-something. 20, 20 it was 35 when I oh, went. Oh, yeah. And it said it feels like 20-something, 28. 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, so yeah. Yeah. What's up with you? I'm rolling into taper. This is taper week. That's right. And, uh, Race week. Yeah. Like... Uh, it's that kind of thing where you overanalyze, like, how did that run feel? Did I, Does that feel like a run where I can hold a pace fast than that? Is this easy? Is that not easy? Do you have any phantom pains? Mm, no. Okay. No, I'm feeling pretty good. I, Let me kick you The only thing, I, I did, I did. So we have, like, four flights of stairs in our house. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty decent-sized flights. And I took apart the boys' old beds because we're getting them new beds. And there was a lot of wood. So we had to do like 10 trips up and down the stairs. And I did somewhat of a leg workout on Sunday as well. So count, count it. Like yesterday, man, my legs were feeling a little sore. And then today was the day where I had like, when I woke up this morning, I was like, I don't know if I can run. <laughs> and of course, you know, you start running. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm in that weird zone where I'm like, I feel oddly relaxed about this marathon i mean it's gonna be a nice cold day which is your uh favorite i do love really cold i am kind of like the pain of getting out of the car and lining up in it's probably gonna be around 20 something and it's technically a trail marathon even though it's not but it's like crushed gravel gravel yeah there's some on that trail though there's some washouts for sure like and it's gonna rain a little bit on friday they're saying okay so i'm a little nervous about that but overall i kind of have like this thing i'm like i've trained i've run it's gonna be what it's gonna be and i'll just go I, i don't think i've ever gone into one as yeah quite relaxed I thought about jumping Before. into a 5K on Saturday, maybe. Which one? Like a There's turkey like one trot? in Hershey that's... Not a turkey trot, it's like the weekend. Dude, I will... I want to see you do a turkey trot in a costume. Oh, really? Yeah, like that would be the coolest. If we get some pictures of Robbie. You just got to get a turkey costume Co- the uh, next day. turkey costume? Yeah. Yeah, like Molly Seidel. I just find some dead birds on the road and put tape the feathers to me. Oh, that would be it. You know what? That would be the coolest costume. When people say, what are you? I did see a dead bird today. Could have go back and check it out. Anytime I see a roadkill or anything, I I do think of Robbie. (laughs) Like if a rat got hit by a car. I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie would love that. Dead animal. Oh, Robbie. (laughs) Robbie would love that. I should take a picture of him and send it to him. (laughs) 
Yeah, if you see anything cool, drop it my way. Yeah. DM me. <laughs> no more need for inside tracker on that thing. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, well, I'll see. Maybe I'll get a turkey costume going on sometime. All right, first check-in. Hopefully, you're enjoying a nice little run in these cool winter temperatures, and you're thinking, how can I have even more fun? Well, I can tell you, you could sign up for Grit. So what happened this week? So Uganda's Jacob Kiplamo said a new... See, you said that really well, Kiplamo, and -hmm. I can repeat it. If I try to read it off a page, it stumbles me. I probably probably would have said Kip Limo. You would have said Jacob. Yeah. Instead of Jacob. Put the wrong emphasis. Scoat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, so he broke the half marathon world record at the Lisbon half marathon and he broke it by one second. Do you know where Lisbon is? Lisbon is in Portugal. Yeah, you are correct. It's the capital of Portugal. Thank you. I was on the fly too. You should have said what is Portugal. Well, you framed it. That you didn't frame it in a Jeopardy. That's true. Right? I don't think I realized it was only one second. Yeah, so that's a long time. It's not. It almost seems that it's we're a record. It almost seems like if you just had a little bit of a tailwind, tail, tailwind, good to go. Yeah, it'd be easy. You guys could probably do it. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a fifty-seven thirty-one. Yeah, and his splits were like crazy. The first. 5k was 1340 i think his second 5k was faster actually what do you think in if you if i said hey you got to go out and run an hour how far are you getting if you were like pushing hard me yeah i don't know how far is an hour that's what i'm asking you (laughs) 10 10 miles if i'm running real hard you think you could do that yeah make it i mean that's a six minute mile pace yeah yeah what about you robbie you think you can get 10 in no yeah, not me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he. I mean, that's I mean, crazy. I I think about that fifty-seven minutes. That's like what I'm running, like seven miles in I on think, my easy runs. I think my and fastest, he's like basically doubling that. My fastest ten miler, I think, was an hour and ten minutes. Okay. okay. <laughs> You're not going to break any world records. I don't know how. This is where to you break get the fifteen-second forward thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what shoes he was wearing? Because I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Next percent. Oh, really? Not yeah, the alphas. He he was wearing the Vaporfly Next Percent in the light volt color, the mm. the latest nice colorway, which people are digging. I still tend to lean in hard on the white. Like all my alpha flies are white. Oh, like with a variation of color there. In one the- has a pink heel. One has a pink. Front. I'll take the alpha fly in any color. Just don't make it. Natural. You have well, you have mango, teal, rodaceous, the watermelon one. Rich. <laughs> just kidding. I save all my money just to spend it on alpha flies. It's, it's true. And like, when was the last time we went out to dinner, like to a restaurant? <laughs> I bought a pair of alpha flies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like dinner or alpha flies? Alpha Which, flies, it is. It, here's my whole thing. Remember how gas was so cheap during COVID because nobody was. Yeah going and they were like we don't know what to do all all this gas yeah and then funny all of a sudden the gas is really expensive i'm like they're making it expensive yeah there's it's they're, not like we're in short supply i feel like <laughs> businesses are like we're gonna make you pay like nike's maybe their stock is down right now because they're not selling and china and the shipping and all that stuff they're like yeah we're gonna have to we're make gonna, up on that back end. we're gonna make a 300 dollars shoe i don't know it's gonna be fantastic oh it's that made out of recycled stuff <laughs> that's the one that yeah. you want yeah, which by the way, th- who else said that they love that 
Well, Ben Johnson loves it. Ben Johnson shoot. likes it. A couple he, didn't he say it's his favorite Alpha Fly? Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> I think. I, mean, I don't know. I guess he I and I got different pairs or something. That makes no sense. No, I did they like gave, it. We had our argument back and forth that he and he thought I read Runners World. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have a, I have a sub to Runners World. I got to know what the competition's talking about. You know, when people stopped advertising it, I stopped getting it because all I wanted to see was advertisements. Yeah. I don't want to know how to run up a hill <laughs> or uh, make break, make pancakes after a run. 10 ways to lose weight while running. Just run. Yeah. Um yeah, so I thought somebody else said they really like that Apple Fly Nature, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I we're supposed to find out. We're supposed to get pairs as well. Yeah, so, I I hope so. I want to get I want to be validated. I mean, here's the thing: the foam is a composite of scraps with glue in it, so it's basically particle board compared to oh, like a, a, a wood. So it's yeah. like, is a nice piece of wood gonna always be better than particle board? Mm-hmm. Ask IKEA. I'm sure they know, but like particle board is heavier because of the glue and all that stuff. Yeah. It's not as doesn't have the same feel as like real wood. I think so my be, problem was more with the upper, to be honest. It just oh really was uncomfortable. Like the upper, I did hear that the toe box is a little shallow. Okay, I don't know. Anyway, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I do. I I don't know. Did we already talk about the Vimera last week? Because I uh, do like that. I think so. Maybe not. Yeah. You, you look, no, we did. I don't know. People Our yeah, minds. We don't know what's going on right now. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy time here, believe it or not. We're just very busy. We're trying to get our best running shoes of the year out um, in the next I, week. This is to me the most important thing that we do. Best running shoes of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really is, I tell you, I don't I don't know too many people who get as many shoes as we get to Pro- try. Probably not yeah. nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. That I mean, here's the thing. You might have like a larger publication that I won't mention again for a second time. In this yeah, we're not pitching thing. runners. Oh, uh, they get it, but they don't like, it's not like one or two people running every shoe that comes out. They have a lot of like testers yeah. there that kind of, they split between. They basically have a shoe store. They hand out to, to mm-hmm. people, but like Robbie, myself, Megan, some of our reviewers, but for the most part, like if it's a shoe that matters, Robbie and I and Megan, does that, no, like Robbie and Megan and I and I yeah yeah have, try it we run in it we give our opinion Robbie and I are usually We're, lean, lean we more towards liking similar shoes Megan is outlier is a little bit of a princess yeah she, I mean I can tell you what she's gonna like like the princess in the pea yeah like the she likes to stack of mattresses yeah she does exactly it's a double yep She's picky and she likes a lot of cushion. Yeah, except for when we were going through deciding on our favorite shoes of the year, uh, we all kind of agreed on a lot. Yes. Like well, the three of us. The shoe that we're giving the top shoe of the, of the year happens to be a well-cushioned shoe. When is, we can't talk about what we're... We can probably shoes. talk about at least a little bit. I mean, it's going to come out next week, so. Yeah. What shoe are you talking about? Should we name it? Really? Oh, like the top daily trainer? Yeah, should we say what it is? Yeah, go ahead. Asics Nova Blast Two. Mm-hmm. I don't think it comes as a surprise to anybody, especially and if they've worn it. Runner up for the Daily Trainer. This might be a little more divisive. Is the Pegasus Thirty Eight? Oh yeah, people are gonna hate that. 
people will love it and hate it. But I, it, here's what I go off of. Like if there's two shoes that I feel like that I could say to anybody coming into the sport, anybody who starts running, I could say, you want a good experience running out the door. You want to feel good. You want something that's fun to put on your feet. Both those shoes. Are you a Pegasus person, Meg? I am. I unfortunately didn't get the 38. Wait, so really? I can't speak to it. Yeah. How that happened? I don't know. She, you should see her 37. It's like brown. Oh wow! Yeah, Not I'm a big, big I'm a big pink. peg fan, but I gotta say, I I like the A6 Nova Blast more, and those that have like I've trashed my Nova Blasts. Yeah. I actually wore it this morning just to make sure. Okay, you still it liked it? Yeah. Um, well, no, because you know you get you, you. I feel like different situations, you know, whatever. I ran in it this morning, and I was like, yeah, this is a really nice feeling shoe. Yeah, it's like it has everything upper. The cushion, the balance. I wore the Clifton Eight this morning, actually. Did you? Because we're in that time where I can go back to some shoes and yeah. see. Uh, don't eh, not don't really love it. Yeah. See, that's what I think happens is that when we were able to go back and pick shoes, and that's why I threw on the Nova Blast today uh, too. Um, you go back and it's kind of like, is it? And there's one shoe that I would say kind of let me down going back. What the Hoka one? Mach Four. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was like. When the Mach 4 came out, I was like, this is a really great shoe. Well, I think you were also surprised because Mach 4 before was terrible. Well, Mach 3, yeah. Or the, <laughs> Mach, Mach before. Mach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, it, it, it felt good. I think it's, it just is sort of average. And I don't know. Sometimes when we're lining up shoes and we get a bad shoe and then you get a mediocre shoe, you'd be like, oh, this mm. shoe is pretty good. Yeah, the Clifton was like, I mean, the ride is fine and everything, but not anything real special. But the, I don't know, the upper is just like, I mean, it's just like Hoka's. I don't really love the way they fit my foot. Like, sometimes I feel like they're a little too much, spa- like, baggy upper things going on. I just, Unstructured. Yeah, I love the, I love the Nike feel. That's, See, that's the thing. That like, I like which the, the Nova Blast kind of has. The too. Nova Blast has that. Um, but that's another reason, like when we talk about shoes like Topo, which I think makes a gr- good shoe, mm-hmm. I think that or Al- Altra, Altra makes a decent shoe, but I just don't, for me in the running and how you look down and feel about the shoe, it just doesn't do yeah. it for me. By the way, I did wear the Topo Athletic Run Venture 3 on the trails this past weekend. Very nice shoe. Um, I think overall, like Topo is my favorite, like trail shoe just across overall? the board. Yeah. Wow. Just Why like their shoes. I don't know. It's like. I do love the fit of their uppers and plus it's probably nice to have a wider platform out on the trails. Yeah, that too. And they have like they always have really great grip and outsole. Not the best. Some of those like really aggressive brands do, but it's just like an all around really yeah. nice. I feel like like we've talked about Innovate before and it's got a great outsole, but it's kind of like you need aggressive terrain. It's yeah, their stuff's like built for yeah, As you, if you're like taking on, the, you're not gonna like it for like a, like a, what do you call those trails? We're good. The you know the buffed out California style trails. I don't think you need them. Yeah, I mean even trails around here, you don't really need those innovate type shoes. Um, but a topo is like a good in between. Anyways, um, yeah. What else? Next week, guys, where will we be? Yeah, Alston, Texas. And what are we gonna be doing? We're going to be doing all sorts of things. First off, we're meeting with a ton of brands at the running event. So we're going to get all the inside scoop for you on all the new shoes coming out. 
gonna have, and, and we'll have YouTube videos and all kinds of stuff. We'll see what the trends are. Mm-hmm. We'll see all that stuff. And we'll have some hijinks going on because mm-hmm. there's going to be six of us there. It's going to be Robbie, Brandon, Megan, Jared. Whitefoot Jared. Taylor Bodine. Trail Taylor. And myself. That's six people walking around looking at shoes. Mm-hmm. Reporting back to the people. It can't not be fun. No, it's going to be fun. And even more fun, we're doing a shakeout run with Puma, 8 a.m. on Thursday. And they're going to be giving away product and shirts. Shoes, shoes, shirts. Shirts, yeah. Maybe donuts. We don't know. Shots. Maybe shots. Yeah. Hopefully not. Oh, yeah. We don't want to start Thursday that way. (laughs) We'll we'll see. And then later that day for lunch, what are we doing? Well, you forgot to mention Kafuzi is going to be on the run. Oh, yeah. Confusing. Yeah. I think Tommy runs and Drew Whitcomb. Basically, Whitcomb. if you can get yourself to Austin on December second at eight a.m. for a run, do it. Honestly, it's probably worth the flight. Just like get a cheap flight there. Get, get on a flight. Travel. It's not like anyone's gonna be traveling because it's in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So. Your gram will pop if you have a picture of you and Kafuzi on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah, the Instagram photo alone might yeah. be worth. You get like a hundred likes. Dude, you could make it an NFT. Mm-hmm. The most worthless NFT ever. <laughs> Actually, you could probably flip that for ten bucks. Yeah, <laughs> but but we uh, we're and then we have a live lunch podcast with Puma. Where's it gonna be? Bangers. Say that again. Bangers, bangers, yeah. bangers, bangers. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> no, it's Thursday. So we're gonna have a podcast at noon at Bangers, and we are interviewing Amy Craig, Taylor Werner, Jonathan Dressler, and PLM Todd Falker. So we're going to talk to athletes. We're going to talk to the people that are making the shoes. It's all going to be live, and we're going to feed you and give you beverages at the same time and probably more swag. Yeah, it's all free, so get out there. Yeah. There's no reason not to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you hate us. In which case, it's weird you're listening to this podcast. Well, you know what? Maybe they just want to know what we're up to. Okay. But yeah, you got to come. Enjoy it. It's Austin, Texas. We'll be there. We, I mean... Outside of Baltimore, this is one of the places that you could see us. Yep. So come on out. So that's it. Hey, Meg, who are we talking to uh, this week? Who's our interview with? Uh, today we're talking with Laura Thweet. Laura just finished the New York City Marathon. Um, she's super fun to talk to. This is probably, Thomas, one of our favorite combos. You know, she was so relaxed and so fun that I really enjoyed, like, it felt like somebody we already knew. Yeah. So enjoy our conversation with Laura Thweet. Today, we are chatting with Laura Thweet. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Happy to be on with you. So you just finished uh, the New York City Marathon, and I want to talk about all of that because that was a very fun race to watch. Um, But I'd love to sort of go way back and get your story of how you actually got into running in the first place. Yeah. um, So I got into running. uh, I went out for the cross-country team in high school. Um, not by choice. Initially, I had aspirations of becoming a star volleyball player. So (laughs) I went out for my high school team and got cut. (laughs) Um, and I was devastated. So I didn't really know like what to do. And, um, anyway, two of my really good friends at the time were Nordic skiers and they were going out for the cross country team to kind of keep in shape for, uh, Nordic that was coming up. And, um, I had done track in high school, like not very, or sorry, in middle school. 
um, not very seriously. I didn't really like track if I'm being honest. So I like didn't really get into running at that point. Um, so they talked me into coming out for cross country with them. Uh, I really had no idea what to expect. I didn't really know what cross country was. Um, but long story short, I fell in love with it. Um, I just loved the simplicity of cross country. I loved that it wasn't a cut sport and that everyone could participate no matter what level you were on. Um, and yeah, I just kind of loved the freedom of just being out there and, and running, um, and kind of created a relationship with it in a new way. So, um, that's how I got my start. And that's why I'm always such a huge fan of cross country. Um, it's where it started for me and it's ultimately what I fell in love with. Um, and so, yeah, I just, uh, it's cross country to this day is like my first love when it comes to the sport. So it, it's funny you mentioned volleyball cause we just had another guest on that also ran New York and she was like, I had to do a sport and it was either cross country or volleyball and I hate volleyball. So I went to <laughs> yeah. cross country. So see, we all kind of, that's why I love cross country because I feel like for a lot of people, especially like back when I was growing up, like, you know, my middle school didn't have a cross country program. Um, I know more now do, but um, I feel like kind of cross country, I think part of it, why it was so cool is that it's just kind of this collection of people that like have kind of tried all these other things. And, you know, it's kind of this option. Like I said, it's not a cut sport and it allows everyone to participate. Um, and so I think that's really cool. I think that's how a lot of people kind of fell into it um, was by going out for their high school cross country team. Uh, however, they got there. So how did, quickly did you start to feel like running was something you could be successful at? Um, pretty soon. Like, I think it was like the second or third practice. We did like a time trial. Um, and I won that time trial. And like, I went out for a lot of sports growing up. I played tennis. I dabbled in soccer. I did horseback riding. I, um, I did golf. Um, so I kind of had like dabbled in all these other sports over the years just because friends were doing them or like, you know, you're kind of just trying to find your thing. Um, and I'd never really been good at any of them. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I like win this time trial and like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just competing. And I liked the fact that you're kind of just out there like competing against other people and just kind of like racing uh, and you're racing yourself and like the other girls, but you're also racing the clock. So there was all these really fun components to it. It didn't involve a ball, which was like really refreshing for me. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of like after that practice, I was like, huh, wow, like this running thing, like I, I might be okay at it. Um, and so again, like I fell in love with cross country because it's the first place where I really feel like I started to find confidence in myself. Um, and I started to really believe that I was good at something and that I was capable at like being that I was capable of being really great at something. Like I'd never really like found that in anything else growing up. Um, so it's kind of like this light bulb went off and it just kind of clicked and I was like, wow, I really like this. And I'm also like, I think really good at this. Like, I wonder what I can do. So that's kind of where it started. Um, and I made the varsity team my freshman year. And again, like I'd never made a varsity team in my life. So um, it was really exciting to kind of just like, wow, like I'm good at this. Like, what can, like, what can I do with it? And you kind of like start to get, like I said, that confidence in yourself. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it all started for me. And at that point, were you thinking this is like a career opportunity or were you just thinking, I'm really good at this. This is something I can do on the side. Yeah, no, I didn't think anything about it as a career. Even in college, I didn't think about running as a career. I would think um, it would be real tough in I high school to about, be thinking about yeah. your career as a runner. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because in high school, like, 
one, I didn't really start following the sport until college. Um, so in high school, like, you know, obviously, like, I knew who Dina Castor was. I knew who Kara Goucher was. I knew who Shalane Flanagan was. Like, you kind of start to, like, pick up on some of that, like, the idols in the sport or, like, the greats in the sport that you're doing. But it doesn't really register, I don't think, as a high school kid that, like, they're doing that professionally or that they're making money doing that. Like, I don't know. I didn't really, like, make, like, I knew you could run professionally, but I just don't think I had an understanding of what that meant. Um, and it wasn't even until the end of my junior year of high school that I even thought about running in college. Um, so my first two years in high school, I was just running because I love to run and I didn't really have an idea of like what you could do with it. Um, or like how far you could really go with it until like much later down the track. Was it also providing you somewhat of a social structure in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. A lot of my really good friends, um, went out for cross country, um, but I made even more friends um, once I was on the team. Um, and again, I think cross country is just a really unique sport. One, it's co-ed. Um, and so I think that brings like a kind of a fun balancing element to it. Um, and again, like I just, the kids that go out for cross country, I just feel like there's, and, I, and again, the way the sport is structured, I think there's a little bit less drama. Um, and there's not like all this politics involved and who makes the teams and who's selecting who and who's making varsity again, because it's you against the clock. Like, it's just very, like, you know, it's just very straightforward and very simple. Um, so the environment on most cross country teams, and this was my experience in high school was just very fun. Um, and just like very like easygoing. And again, I think even to this day, you know, I have so many good friends in the sport who are my competitors, but I think as runners, because we're all out there doing this really hard thing, uh, and in high school, like you're the select few that are out there racing 5Ks every weekend, um, you create this really unique bond that I think is very, again, unique to the sport of running. Um, and that all started for me in high school and I got a taste of it on my cross country team. Um, and then, yeah, it was the same experience for me in college. And then it's continued into my professional career in different ways. But um, again, another really cool part of the sport and why I love cross country was because of the people that went out. That's awesome. So when you were choosing your college, it wasn't um, based on any sort of running team or because you wanted to be involved in running. No, it was. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to see you. Yeah, I went to see you largely because of the program. Okay. Uh, and because of Mark Wetmore. Um, I I didn't get serious about running in college until the end of my junior year of high school. But then at that point, my high school coach sat me down and I was starting to get like letters. Um, and I think coaches can start contacting you around then. Um, and so that's when I really realized it was a possibility if I wanted to continue on. Um, and I loved the sport. I, you know, at that point was really starting to see what I was capable of and like really starting to kind of push my limits and um, see myself as one of the best runners in the state. So I was like, why not take it to the next level if I'm, you know, if I have the opportunity to do that. Um, I really wanted to go to Oregon. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I um, got really into Steve Prefontaine and like that whole thing. And like Oregon is Tracktown USA and like Nike and um, I went to an Oregon running camp um, between the, the summer of my junior and senior year. And I remember then Vin Lanana was the head coach and he sat us down and was just basically like, Oregon is one of the best programs in the country. Like we only recruit like top caliber athletes. Like if you want to make this team, 
you have to be a state champion, like essentially mm. is what he was saying. So I made it my whole goal senior year to win state in cross country. I was second by like four seconds. Um, still haunts me to this day. <laughs> Never was a state champion. <laughs> um, so anyway, I reached out thinking that it was like close enough. And like, I never heard anything from Oregon. No one at Oregon ever contacted oh, me. So it was like really heartbreaking. Um, because I had this, like, I had a yellow Volkswagen Beetle in high school. And I put this huge yellow O oh. <laughs> like the back windshield. And I was like so confident that I was going to go there. So it was really devastating when I had to scrape that off with like a razor blade. Oh. But um, anyway, it obviously all worked out because Mark ended up recruiting me. Um, and obviously Colorado uh, has its own legendary program. Yeah. Um, and so I went on a visit, fell in love with Boulder, um, you know, fell in love with just everything about um the area and like the school outside of just the running program, which I'm really grateful. My parents were like, you can't just pick a school on running. Like, you know, if you end up quitting the team or it doesn't end up working out, like you still want to like really enjoy where you're at and get the most out of your college experience. Um, but yeah, so I came up here, fell in love with Boulder, um, loved what Mark had to say. Uh, and so I felt like CU was, was the right place for me to continue my running career. So what did you study while you were there? I studied sociology and criminology. Are you going to be a cop? So, no, I'm not doing anything. With that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be a police officer? <laughs> no, I honestly, um, I thought I wanted to go into like social work. Uh, and then I did a really intense internship my senior year. And I learned that I cannot do that kind of work. Um, and so then I thought about going back to school when I graduated and getting my master's uh, in guidance counseling. And like working at the high school level that way. Um, I have not done that. And I don't know if I can go back to school <laughs> at this point, if I'm being like truly honest with myself. Um, but that's what I thought I wanted to do with it when I initially graduated. Very cool. All right. So I know you're sponsored by Saucony now, but when did they enter the picture? Um, they entered the picture. So I graduated CU in 2011. Uh, had no aspirations of running professionally, actually thought my running career was kind of oh. done at that point. Took quite a quite a break. I took a couple months completely off, like I didn't do anything. Um, then I started running uh, with some of the high school girls that I started coaching, um, kind of reignited that spark. Uh, and then I ended up meeting Lee Troop, uh, who was the head coach of Boulder Track Club at the time. Um, and ended up uh, partnering with him for seven years. Um, but I did, I ran per professionally, like I was kind of slowly climbing the ranks and, um, you know, racing. Um, I was becoming more competitive at like US championships and cross country and lowering my times on the track. Um, so I ran almost three years without any type of contract. Uh, and then I signed with Saucony in the beginning of 2014. Um, and I've been with them ever since. That's a pretty long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, they've been amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. You debut the marathon in 2015 in New York city. Is that right? So yep. what was that like? What was the, the buildup? What made you decide you wanted to do the marathon and how was your first marathon experience? 
Yeah. Um, we kind of fell into that one. Um, I didn't really have any aspirations of jumping into the marathon so quickly. Initially, I thought I would do my first one after the 2016 track trials. Um, but I ended up getting a stress fracture like early 2015, like right after World Cross. Um, and so that took me out for a couple months. Um, and so anyway, David Monty was like the elite athlete coordinator of the New York Roadrunners at the time. And uh, he reached out to Lee and was just like, listen, like, you know, um, I know that Laura is not looking at doing the marathon anytime soon, but, you know, with the Olympic trials being early 2016, um, there's obviously not going to be many Americans running New York this year. And it might be a great opportunity for her to step up to the distance, get a taste for it, you know, like no real expectation or pressure. Um, just kind of get her feet wet with it if you guys are interested. Um, and so again, at the time I was coming off an injury, I was frustrated kind of with the spring. Um, and so Lee was like, Hey, this might be a really fun thing to kind of just like get some momentum back, train for something completely different and kind of just springboard us into 2016, um, with the goal being the 10 K on the track. Uh, so I was kind of like, okay, like, why not? Like, seems like it could be a great opportunity. And yeah, Lee was like convinced it was the right thing to do. And I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm in. Um, and so, yeah, I had a great experience, uh, at New York. Uh, I fell in love with the magic of the marathon. I think it's pretty impossible to not have that happen to you in New York city, regardless of how it goes. Um, and luckily it went well for me. Uh, the last six miles got like really real for me. Um, but yeah, I, I remember like halfway I was like leading the race. Like I got like too cocky and confident, like way too early. Um, and I, yeah, just the whole experience, the crowds, like the marathon kind of reminded me of cross country. Um, and it was just totally different from the track. It was totally different from cross country. Um, and I just really felt like that was what I was made to do mm. when I finished that race. Um, so yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, I had a great experience so to answer your question. Is the marathon <laughs> now your really favorite well. distance? <laughs> oh, wow. It is. Yeah. That's definitely what I am geared to do. Um, I think I'm a marathoner at That's this point awesome. through and through. So after that, you have the, the track trials coming up where you're like, nah, I'm done with those. I'm just here for <laughs> marathons or <laughs> were you ready to go back to the shorter? No, honestly, people think that that's how I felt. Yeah, no, I was like ready to come back down. Um, and then, you know, I watched the 2016 Olympic marathon trials in LA and it was so horrendous and just absolutely brutal out there. That was my favorite. Um, and then they, you know, that's one of my favorite all time marathons. Yeah, was it? Uh, that was just so much fun as a to watch. spectator. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't running in the women's in the in the women's yeah. marathon trials, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, just watching Shalane and Amy and and uh, you know, uh, Des just battling it out in seventy degree temps in the middle of Los Angeles, and it was just so much fun. It was epic. It was so epic to watch. Um, but yeah, it looked just so brutal. Um, and they like wheeled Shalane off in a wheelchair. And I was like, dear God, like, you know, if they have to like wheel her off, like, you know, that it was just like such a, such a tough day. Um, so I was like, uh, like, I was always really confident in the decision I made not to not to run there. Um, and I definitely think I needed more time between New York and like my next marathon. Um, so I definitely didn't have any regrets on that. And the, you know, the three women that made that team were definitely the best women to make that team. So second check-in. So I know you stopped your run. You probably pulled out your phone. You went to believe in the forward slash grit and signed up for grit. I'm proud of you. 
I'm so proud of you that if I was running next to you, I'd give you a nice swat on the behind. A couple of years later, I know you ran uh, London, I think, in 2017, and that's where your PR, which holds today. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit yep. about that. If, well, like, also, what shoe did she run in? In 2017? Yeah. Yeah, what were you wearing? Because the pro wasn't available there. <laughs> there were no super shoes then. Yeah, I ran in the Saucony Fast Twitch, which mm-hmm. is like a very minimal road flat. <laughs> Fast Twitch is a nice shoe. It's got a little bit of stability. So I was a little surprised. Are you are you a stability runner? I used to be. Like I used to heavily only wear like the Guide and the Hurricane, uh, which is like a super like hardcore stability shoe. I just loved yeah. the way it felt. Um, but now I do a lot of my stuff in the ride. So I've actually gone to neutral. Um, But I still use the guide for like long runs and just like when I'm a little bit more tired and I feel like my body just like breaks down a little bit quicker. Um, But yeah, I'm not anywhere Hmm. near the stability runner I used to be. I'm surprised it's not the shift for the, the, instead of the guide. Yeah. Is that too heavy? um, yeah, I'm the guide is what I used to always run in. I'm just a, I just love it. I'm just a huge fan. I'm like, I'm someone with everything in my life. Once I find something that I really like or that works well, that's it. Like I don't, I have a hard time branching out to new things. Oh, that must be tough when they come out with new models. It is really <laughs> tough because some models are very different. Um, so you have to kind of like refine it. Um, but that's why when the super shoes first came out, I didn't, I wasn't really a fan because I liked what I was using. So I, it took me a lot longer to like fully transition into them than like everyone else. I feel like, like I didn't do like anything in them. Uh, before I raced like Chicago in 2019, I did like eight workout in them. And I was like, yeah, these are do, cool. Do you feel like there's an advantage in them now? Uh, like, or do you still kind of, you know, for you, a fast switch would still work? Oh, no, I definitely think like the super shoes, in my opinion, have changed the marathon. Like it, like I just, I think it'd be really difficult to race in anything other than a super shoe, um, just given where the technology is. And like what I think it does over that kind of distance I think when it comes to like 5K and 10Ks, in my opinion, I don't think you necessarily have to have a super shoe. Um, I think the benefit comes when you step up to the half marathon and to the full. Um, Because I think one of the biggest advantages is just they prevent that breakdown or that collapse that ultimately ends up happening over the longer miles. Um, So I think that's really the benefit that you're getting. Whereas like over 5 and 10K, in my opinion, like I don't think you necessarily have to have that. Obviously that technology feels good. Uh, and I think people like to race in that because of the way it makes you feel. But I think the advantage is just in like the recovery, um, and just like preventing that collapse, um, or that breakdown, especially in your lower leg. I'd agree with you. I feel like it really saves you also after the run, Yes. you know, as someone who, who used to run in like the fast switch and stuff, I find that like after a hard run, it doesn't feel as hard coming off a you know a nice high stack with cushion and even a plate yeah jared and i always joke that like um and i think the technology benefits certain runners maybe a little bit more based off of like your cadence and like your stride so like someone like me like i'm a shuffler so i think that the shoes really benefit me but i also think like jared and i were joking that i think they're gonna like be the reason why like they're going to like, they're going to add years to the, our career. Yeah. Um, just as yeah. far as the longevity that comes with something like that, when you're racing like two marathons a year and doing that kind of training, I think that technology is definitely going to make a difference in like maybe how much longer we can go. Um, so, I yeah, thought Shalane could have done 
I doubt Shalane could have done what she just did with the, you know, the six worlds uh, without a shoe oh, like God. that we have now. I don't think you could do it. Um, Cause like I remember in London, I was severely injured, but racing a marathon on the fast twitch, it would take me almost two weeks before I felt like my body was like fully back to normal. Where like now I ran New York eight days ago and probably after three or four days, I felt like walking around anyway, I felt fine. Um, so again, yeah. that is like, that's the proof in the pudding right there is just like how quickly you can turn around and like come off the marathon. And now you're seeing people come off a marathon and then do another one, you know, like five weeks later, it's yeah. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like Megan. Um, yeah, Megan, I you to do, do that. that. Um, <laughs> you're like, yeah. you're, I don't know how people do it. I'm impressed that you can do that. <laughs> It's because the first one went very poorly. So I, you know, just <laughs> not very poor. It, it, it didn't did. go to expectation. But, um, anyway. but so I'm curious, you've been with Saucony this whole time. It was kind of known that Nike came out with the first super shoe and they were sort of ahead of the rest of the brands for a few years. Was there ever a point where you were towing the line thinking that you were at a disadvantage because Nike was so advanced? No. Um, I never felt that way. I felt like, you know, you started to see the prototypes Nike was coming out with, who was in what, um, and kind of like you were getting a sense of like, man, like, all right, this is going to change the game here. Uh, but I never felt like Saucony was that far behind Nike. Like, I never felt like I stepped to the line as we were kind of transitioning into this super shoe era where I was at a disadvantage. Um, I felt like Saucony was like, instantly jumping in and like, all right, like they saw the future. They forecasted that there's no going back after something like this. Like we're not going to go back to what we had. Um, and so they started making prototypes pretty soon after that for all of us to try and to run in, to get feedback in. Um, I know Jared played a really heavy role in what is now the endorphin in Pro. New York. Um, yeah, yeah. And Parker as well. So, um, they use that, they use the athletes they had to create a shoe to make sure that none of us were at a disadvantage or felt like we were at a disadvantage when we towed the line of these major races, like they've always made sure that we have exactly what we need to feel competitive out there. Um, and so again, like I felt like they kind of jumped on it right away. Um, and I never felt like I didn't have what I needed. Yeah. That's and good. I also think too, I mean, we're talking, if you go off a of Nike at 4% versus their streak or whatever, if it's really comes down to the runner still, I do, I do believe that shoes help a ton, but if Jared Ward is on fire and he's training went well and he lines up to that line and he's wearing a pair of rides, he's still going to do okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Molly Huddle didn't do, I don't think she did any of her marathons in the prototype or like the super shoe. Like she stayed in what worked for her. So again, I think, yeah, there's a lot of emphasis put on, oh, it's the super shoes. And like, yeah, I think they are definitely changing the sport and they're changing the direction of the marathon as far as how you recover, what you, the efforts you can put back to back, how hard you can train and like maybe recover quicker. But at the end of the day, you still have to run 26.2 miles. Like after yeah. what I just did eight days ago, like I'm telling you the shoes, I felt like I, like those last <laughs> eight miles, it, I could have been barefoot. Like it didn't, it doesn't matter. It's like you still it. have to condition, you still have to train and you still have to cover that distance yourself. So the shoes definitely, I think, are an advantage in some ways. But at the end of the day, we're all out there still trying to run 26 miles as hard as we can, you know, so. Yeah, and you're off the course a lot faster than most people, so you don't <laughs> yeah. need them that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd be waiting like an hour for me. <laughs> so. 
Hey, yeah. you're doing it. We're all out there doing it. <laughs> so hey, I actually think they, I think that the super shoes might have more of an advantage for your middle packer, uh, marathoner than they might have for, you know, the, the fastest people or the slowest people. I think that, uh, there, there's something that I'd love to see a test on that where, where you are and where you get the most advantage out of those shoes. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be really interesting. And I've always said it, like the people that are running marathons who are running, you know, four or five hours, like that is so impressive to me. That is truly so incredible. Um, like I'm like, those are the heroes of the, of the marathon for sure. <laughs> Cause it would be like a back to back for you. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm like one and done. I don't think I could have done another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, so jumping back to 2017 real quick in London, that's your PR. Did you say you were injured going into that? Yeah, I was like, uh, I was dealing with osteitis pubis pretty significantly at that point. Um, I'd been running through this injury for like almost two years. Uh, we you're going to have to describe what that is. Yeah, yeah I know. That? It's not a very well-known injury. Um, it's, uh, so basically it's, uh, it's your pubic symphysis. The tendons around that start to tear. Um, so it's like a really severe kind of like tendonitis. Um, but if you keep running on it, it just like breaks that area down more and more and more. Uh. Um, and it was one of the most painful things I've ever had to deal with. Um, like it just feels like a really deep ache, like someone kicked you in the groin. Um, uh. but just all the time. So it actually got to a point uh. like right before the London marathon where it was disrupting just my daily life as well as my training and my running. Um, I couldn't roll mm. over in bed. I couldn't sit for very long. I had a hard time driving my car. Um, running was extremely no, shooting at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. Um, so yeah, it's basically, again, it's just an injury that involves the pubic symphysis and the tendons around that area. Um, and it's just, it's incredibly painful. Um, and there's not a lot you can do for it other than like complete rest and then a lot of extensive rehab. Um, and so, yeah, I ran through it for almost two years. And by the time I got to London, it was pretty, pretty severe. I somehow got through that race. I still don't know how I did it. Um, and then I, I was out after that. Like I didn't race again for almost a year, um, because of the injury. Oh, wow. That's crazy. How, how difficult was that year of not racing and I mean, trying to deal with that injury or heal that injury? Yeah, it was extremely difficult. I'd never dealt with anything like that severe ever. You know, I'd had stress fractures and things that have like that set healing time and you know exactly what you need to do to come off of it. Um, you know, I didn't run a step for six months. Um, and I'd oh, never wow. been out that long since I started my career back in high school. Um, so it was really challenging. And I think the hard thing too with any injury in the sport is we don't have an off season. Uh, this sport goes on without you, um, and there really is no ideal time to deal with any type of setback, let alone something that like takes you out for that much time. Um, again, yeah. I was really fortunate that I was working with such a great company. Um, I didn't lose my contract. Uh, Saucony stood behind me um, the whole time I was out. Uh, so that relieved some financial strain, which I was, again, really grateful for. Um, but yeah, it was really, really tough. Um, that's yeah. What's interesting about that is we talked to Parker Stinson and he talked about an injury that he had and we were, we were like, at one point we're like, I'd rather just have a broken bone or something, which mm -hmm. you know that you put in a cast and you let it heal and there's a time frame 
on, on these soft tissue injuries, there's no time frame. It's just you try to run again and all of a sudden it hurts again and you have to stop. And sometimes you feel like you're back, you're ready to come back and your body's just not, it's, it's gotta be frightening as a professional runner where you're sponsored. And like you said, talking, he stayed with you and was good to you. But at a certain point, are you in a little bit of a panic? Like, am I going to be able to run again? Yeah, I honestly, and you know, a lot of people told me like the severity of this injury really varies for people. Um, but it can, it, it has ended runners careers. Um, and it's really common in soccer players as well. Um, and so for some athletes who have dealt with this, that's been the end for them. They haven't, they never really came off of the injury. Um, so that was really scary because I didn't know, uh, at points if this was something I would like fully recover from. And if I did recover from it because I'd missed so much time, would I be the same runner that I was before the, the, before the injury? Um, I didn't know. And there's no way to know that. Um, I basically had to start over. I had to. I had to rebuild my body. So a cause, a lot of the reason people would develop this injury is like adductors. My adductors were really weak. I had like no hip or glute strength at all. So all the areas around that basically just weren't firing and weren't activating and doing what they needed to be doing while I was training. Um, and so, you know, it's probably something I was always kind of prone to, but as you you know, advance in your career and, you know, you add intensity, you add mileage, you start adding marathons. Um, it just obviously exposed all of that exposed the weaknesses that were there and it all came out in this injury. So I had to rebuild my body basically to be able to do what it was supposed to do to handle the impact and the strain that comes with training at this level. Um, and so that took six months of no running, uh, just really intensive gym work, uh, mobility, rehab, body work, uh, eventually I could start cross training, but even for like four to six weeks, uh, I didn't do anything at all other than just like really, really basic gym work. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really long, tedious process. Um, but ultimately because I was forced to finally address all of this, I came off of it so much stronger and I came off of it, I think an even better runner with a body that can now tolerate what I do. Um, and so it ended up being a huge blessing and made you know, all the difference in my career. Uh, but during that 11 months where I didn't like step on a start line, yeah, it was definitely a lot of emotions, <laughs> a lot of up and down. <laughs> it's interesting in listening to you and we've gotten a chance to talk to, you know, several really talented runners and you seem very analytical and very process oriented about the whole thing. And I'm, and it's not like, like sometimes you can tell, okay, it got into people's heads, they, uh, you know, mental struggle with this. You don't seem to, you're, at least you're coming off right now that you don't seem to have like a lot of mental struggles when it comes to running. It's more just making sure that you're physically strong. Am I reading that right? Are you pretty solid when it comes to your mental game? Um, I'm glad I come off that way. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I'm a mess. No. Um, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, at this point in my career, I feel like I definitely have uh, mastered uh, that side of it, so to speak. But, you know, I, I've been working with a, a sports psychologist for almost four years now. Um, so it isn't something that just, I, yeah, I don't. So I don't you're working it, out. You're. Yeah, go ahead. It's Sorry, not just workouts in the gym for the muscle 
Yeah, it, it's not just <laughs> yeah, that you're doing yeah, pelvic you exercises. Your mind, you're also just doing like you train your body, right. and you know, not every athlete's different. Some athletes really don't don't need that, and they just kind of have that wired in. Um, I feel like I do, and I don't. Um, I definitely go through periods uh, where I do doubt myself, and I do really struggle um, with some of the more mental pieces of the sport. Um, and so once I started working with a sports psychologist, I realized how helpful that is and how important mental health is inside of running, but also outside of running. Um, and sometimes I lose sight of that piece where like running consumes your outlook on everything. And so when I was dealing with an injury like that, I was like starting to get really depressed because I wasn't doing the thing that I love to do. I was unable to do this thing that I kind of defined myself off of. And so all of a sudden, when you don't have that piece in your life anymore, you're like, well, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, if I can never <laughs> run again, like, what does that mean? Like for me and who I am and who I thought I was going to be. So that's when I ended up, that's when I first started working with my therapist. Um, just because I was really starting to struggle. And luckily I have a great support system. You know, I had um, like my parents, you know, I have really great friends, uh, other athletes who could kind of see what was going on, who kind of helped direct me to get that help. Because I think at first you're very like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, But then over time you're like, okay, like, yeah, I need it. I need some help. Um, And so I had people that kind of pointed me in that direction. Did you have any athlete friends or people in your circle that had gone through a tough injury and come out the other side as an example for you to kind of focus on? Yeah. I mean, you know, at that time, no one I knew had 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 this injury, which was kind of difficult. Um, But yeah, I mean, I knew athletes, a lot of like my idols had like, you know, they struggle, like every athlete struggles like with something. Um, You know, every athlete has some type of setback, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it is, like everyone's going through something that they had to figure out, fight through and overcome. Um, And it was actually really cool. Like I'm not a huge social media person, but I do think it does have a purpose. Um, and one of the great things about social media is the way it connects people and kind of gives uh, outreach uh, to connect. And so a lot of people who I didn't know reached out to me during the injury because they were actually dealing with the same injury um, or had gone mm. through it themselves. And so it was really great to hear from people that were going through it or that had overcome it, that understood what I was going through um, and just offering their own messages of support really made a huge difference for me. Um, so I, I think that was really helpful just knowing like, okay, people have overcome this. People have overcome other things that were just as challenging, uh, and have made it through to the other side. Like I can do this, like I can do hard things. Um, but yeah, it's, you don't always have that mindset. You know, it was definitely, there were moments where it was very dark, uh, and you're kind of just like, you've lost yourself a little bit trying to figure out how you're going to do this. So you go through all of this rehab and you get yourself healthy again. Was there a comeback race where you were like, okay, I'm back? Um, yeah. So I actually had decided to do the Chicago marathon in 2018. That was going to be my comeback race. Um, so I did the the rainy one. Mm -hmm. What? It was a rainy one that year. It was the rainy one. Yes. It was very rainy and misty and kind of weird. Um, but before that, my first (laughs) race back, like almost 11 months from when I stopped running was the Shamrock Shuffle in Chicago in early March. Um, and I ran the AK. I won it. I don't quite remember what I ran, but I shocked myself with how fast I ran and the fact that like I won. 
Um, and so after that race, I was like, I'm back. Like <laughs> I didn't miss a step. <laughs> um, and now so that was kind of my first race where I was like, okay, like I did it. Like I overcame this thing. Like I really did it. So it was a pretty cool moment. And also just another reason why Chicago was a very special place to me. Yeah. And you can we get into the uh, training stuff now? Go for it. Yeah. Can we talk about boss? Yeah. All right. So you're in Colorado, Boulder. And you talk about social media and how it connects people. And I think that one thing that the boss team's done really well with is kind of social, like bringing us into the training, bringing us into it. You know, uh, Aisha and we have um, Emma. Emma. And now the group's big, yeah. yeah. You know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, that's so cool that, you know, she's with Under Armour, she's with New Balance. Here comes, you know, another brand. And it, it was kind of like a new Cause I think that you had the Hanson group and you had NAZ elite, but they were pretty much brand teams. Yep. This was the first, like, like almost like super friends group <laughs> of like, you know, everybody's coming in with their own special power. <laughs> I love you know, that. Emma doesn't super even friends. run marathons. <laughs> yeah. Exactly super friends. What it was. That's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. And, and you see it and like, it was very fun to, to watch or it still is fun to watch on Instagram and see it kind of unfold and see people working out together. And of course, Emma's vacation shots. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it seems like she's either running or in some tropical Island. It's yeah, awesome. Emma, li- Emma is thriving. <laughs> she's living her best life all the time. Yeah. And I love it. And I just want to be part of it. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it seems, I think that, I think for young guys, the Tin Man elite has kind of like that allure. Mm-hmm. And I think that for young women, the idea of like the boss group just seems like, oh, that looks like ideal of what, how running professional running could be. Now you're, you were part of that. Can you give us a little background and what that was like? Obviously there's a Colorado university, Colorado Boulder a connection there. Right. And, yeah. um, yeah, we used you know, to joke actually just kind for of a give while that, idea. uh, to be on the team, you had to have gone to see you. Because, like, I think at one point there was, like, six of us from CU. Um, But, yeah, uh, it's it's a great team, and I am so grateful that I got to be a part of it. Um, You know, Joe and Emma are two of my really good friends. You know, we overlapped three years at CU. Um, You know, and then I kind of went my own way when I graduated, and then, like, Emma came out and was with Mark for a while and then decided it was time for her to do her own thing, and kind of Joe took over. Um, and then Aisha came out and they kind of started to build a little bit of this group. Um, and so I ended up leaving Lee after Chicago in 2018. Um, you know, he and I had been together for seven years. We had a great relationship. We did a lot of great things together, but you know, it was just time for us to part ways. Um, and so I didn't really know what I was going to do. I had like a year until the Olympic trials. Uh, I was coachless. I had just dropped out of a major marathon with another injury. Like I was like a mess. Um, And so Joe, uh, reached out to me and was like, listen, like, you know, I know I don't have any marathoners on the team. I'd love to, I'd love to coach one though. I would love to kind of start getting into that side of the sport. And I think you'd be the perfect person for me to do that with, um, you know, let me know if our team is something that you would be interested in. Like, I would love to work with you. Um, and so, you know, I really appreciated that, but in my head I was like, I need a marathon coach. Like I have to have a marathon coach. Um, but at the time, you know, there just really wasn't another fit or another coach who was willing to kind of step in and take on a new athlete so close to the, to the Olympics. Um, 
So anyway, I was so grateful for Joe and Emma because they were that support. They were my friends and then they were willing to step in and really kind of help pick up my career and kind of help get me going. Um, and so, yeah, Joe was fantastic. Um, you know, he and I, I think made a really great team. Like I kind of brought in, if, I don't know if he would call it marathon expertise. I'd done like two marathons, um, but I kind of brought in like that side of it. And then he kind of brought in his side of it and we kind of created like a new kind of fresh way for me to train for this distance and stay healthy. Um, and then having the girls was incredible. I'd never been part of a team where I had such incredible, incredibly empowering women to work out with and to run with day in and day out. Um, I got my butt kicked for like six months, probably <laughs> just, I like it's shorter distances though, <laughs> yeah, right? It was, and that's why I love that team <laughs> yeah. so much because you know, like, everyone has different strengths and everyone kind of has a different focus. And then you bring that all together the way that Joe's able to do that. And you create this really cool, unique group where we're all making each other better based off of like what we're really good at. And then we're getting better at what we're not really great at because someone else is good at that. So it was a really fun training environment. Um, and again, like there, I made some of my close, there's still some of my closest friends, um, you know, and so again, you're out there day in and day out training really hard for whatever it is you're training for. And you just kind of, it just helps that like, you just grow that mutual respect for one another. Um, and they just made me so much better. They helped, they challenged me, they pushed me and they really helped kind of get me up to that next level. And they really helped me find my confidence again. Um, I came into That's that awesome. group pretty shattered. Um, really struggling, didn't know if I was going to be able to contend for a spot at the 2020 trials. Um, by the time I got there, I was like a new version of myself. Um, and that's largely due to Joe, um, Emma, Aisha, Dom, Corey. Um, they made a huge, huge impact in my life at a time that I needed it the most. Um, and I'll forever that's incredible. grateful for that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you, we say again, from watching from the outside, and you always want like, I guess we're used to Kanye and, you know, the Kardashians and all that. You're always looking for that drama for when somebody leaves a group or something. You're like, okay, there's got to be some, uh, there's a cat fight. You know? yeah. What happened? You know, like you want the reality version? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, can you spruce it up a little bit more? Like maybe start yeah. some beef with Emma that we can highlight on this show. And yes, yeah. let's start something that people get excited about that will be good for our gram. And we put a little quote from you on it. Like Emma's the worst. Corey's horrible. You know, like yeah, you should going to Puma people. is a bad yeah. mistake. Yeah, I know. I exactly. wish I could do that, but they're incredible. Um, and like I said, I still remain extremely close to all of them. A lot of them were in New York, which was really, really cool. Um, so I feel like, you know, Joe and I ended our professional relationship. Um, he's still one of my really close friends. He's someone I know who is always going to be in my corner. And Boulder's tiny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you're going to run past them at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like I was joking the other day with Emma Bates. Like I still feel very much like I'm an honorary member of team boss. I don't know if they feel that way, but I feel that way. Like I just feel like <laughs> I didn't lose anyone and I didn't lose my team. I'm you know, I wanted more control of how I trained and I, I was ready to kind of take that step for myself. Um, but as far as the team goes, those, those people are very much, uh, still involved in my life and continue to make an impact, um, day in and day out. So yeah. again, I feel very lucky. Final check-in. Okay. So maybe you didn't sign up for grit yet, but you wanted a gentle reminder that when you finish this run, that you want to sign up for grit. So go ahead 
shower off or do whatever you got to do. You're stretching, maybe eat some protein. I don't know what you do after your run. But now that that's done, go sit down to your laptop, pull up believeintherun.com forward slash grit and sign up so you can get a sweet sweatshirt from ASICS and a nice knit cap along with some patches. So join the challenge, have some fun, hang out with us and have a great day. So Meg trains herself. You're now training yourself, right? You're you're self-coached yeah. right now. So I've seen it work at least, you know. Well, you just saw her in New York City, so clearly it works. Yeah. But I'm yeah, I'm so curious as someone who coaches myself too and I'm not at your level, but like especially going into the race when you're used to having a coach who's telling you, "Hey, you can hit these paces. Look at you've done this great training block." Was it hard mentally going into that race, just having yourself to be like, well, I wrote this and I did this, (laughs) but is this going to (laughs) translate? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely more of that because how can there not be? Like you said, like I've never not had a coach um, and I've never been on a start line where I don't necessarily have that kind of other piece to what I've been doing um, or that person to kind of like remind me that everything is like you're ready to go and you've done everything you can do and to take confidence in that. But um I have myself for that. And it was actually, it was a really hard uh, training block. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Training, as you probably know, like training by yourself more times than not is extremely difficult. Holding yourself accountable, pushing yourself, um, riding the training, believing in the training you're riding, not questioning it. It was really, really challenging. Um, And at times I was like, what are you doing? Like, why did you think this was a good idea? Um, But then at the same time, it was really empowering um, because I just like, I just really started to believe in myself in a way that I'd never really had before. And I started to really take confidence in myself and this belief that like, I can do hard things. I know how to train for a marathon. Like, yes, coaches have written me the train in the past, but I've done that training. I'm at a point in my career where I know what works. Like I know how I can get fit. I know what gives me the confidence. So when I'm on that start line, I have no doubts in anything that I've done. Um, And so really owning that was really fun. And so I got to the start line and I was just like, you did this. Like no matter what happens out there today, you've put yourself in a position uh, in an incredible field at the New York City Marathon to go out there and compete and be up in it. Like you did this, like, you know, like the race is now just a fun part. Like you did the hard work to get here and now you get to celebrate doing all of this by yourself. Um, so that was really cool. And so that's kind of what I told myself on the start line. Um, I did, um, find a lot of guidance in Steve Jones, Um, he's been a really good friend to me over the years, has always supported my career, um, and was willing to kind of step in over my block when I was doubting and questioning myself, um, and just give me his calm, uh, kind of wisdom. Um, and he's such a legend and someone that I really look up to. Um, and I feel like we're very similar as far as our mentality goes with how we like to race and train. Um, so he was actually a very instrumental part of my block, just kind of having that support, Um, so I guess in that way, I didn't feel totally alone, um, on the start line, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, it was really cool to kind of be like, huh, I did that. (laughs) Like that was me. (laughs) It was really cool. Do you have a a hype, hype person in your corner? Do you have that person that's always like, you got this, you got this. Um, that person for me was Emma Bates. Um, 
She and I have an incredible <laughs> relationship. She's one of my closest friends now, which is pretty cool. Um, she was my hype woman. Um, she was in my corner when I was trying to make this tough decision as to whether or not I wanted to transition out of the team. Um, she supported me in my entire block while she was also trained for her Chicago, um, where she kicked ass. Uh, and then she came to New York with me as my person. Like she did everything a coach would do. She helped me with my bottle. She went to the technical meeting. She got me breakfast the morning of the race. She walked me to the bus. Like, you know, so she, I found, normally I find all of that emotional support in a coach. Um, but this block was different. I had to kind of find it in different people. My practitioner, Marcus Hilly, who's one of my closest friends, uh, was at the finish line waiting for me. Um, I found it in him. Uh, a couple other really close friends, um, my parents. So I definitely didn't feel like I was alone out there. I didn't feel like I did that block by myself by any means. It was just kind of a different approach. But I definitely never felt like I didn't have uh, the support that I needed, which was really cool and why I think I was That's able awesome. to do that. You you brought up Emma and we we talked to Emma a couple times and she's one of our favorites. Yes. And, um, she, we, and we talked to her before Chicago. So, you know, it, it was interesting to kind of watch her arc as, as going into the marathon, you know, I, it was hard to kind of know where she was going to land. And then to see her performance in Chicago, we were actually there doing something else. And, um, we, we got to watch her on the sidelines and we're like, oh my God, <laughs> I think, I really think that she just might be in third place and we were waiting at the, at the final, the turn to the, like right up that little bridge yeah. area before you go into the park. And we saw her come through and she looked fantastic. Oh. Like it's every time we saw face. her, she was smiling. Yeah. yeah. I know she, I've never and seen was, anyone look like that at the end of a marathon. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So, such a thing. So she, you're, you have that. And so that was only a, a few weeks before New York. Mm -hmm. So you have her sitting in your corner saying, Hey, I believe in you. You've got this. That's that's a pretty good person to have. Yeah. have sitting <laughs> it was right a very there. good person to have. And it was so cool, like watching Chicago, watching what Emma did, you know, knowing what she's overcome, knowing what she's battled through over the years in her own career, knowing that she had just made this huge transition herself uh, and went out there and did what she did uh, was truly incredible. And it was so inspiring watching that. And that was another piece of me being like, okay, I can go out there and like, I can do the same thing, you know? Um, and so I think, again, that's a really cool thing with our sport is, you know, especially right now in women's and like American women's distance running, you just have so many women that go out there time and time again and are pushing that envelope and pushing that limit. And a lot of these women, you know, I'm lucky to be friends with, and I have this huge respect for. And so when you see them doing that and they have relatable stories and journeys to your own, then you're just like, wow, like I can do that too. And so it's just such a cool time to like be part of the sport. Do you think you'll be lining up against Emma soon? Yes, we both want to do New York next year. <laughs> so we decided we're going to do the same one. So um, that would be awesome. Right. I would love to be out there with her. That's our dream. So hopefully we can make that happen in the near future. That'd be cool. Um, okay, so two follow-up questions from New York. So you were eighth overall, fourth American. Were you happy with that? And then two, now that you've been through a cycle and a race coaching yourself, are you doing that again? Um, yeah, so 
I wasn't super stoked with eights, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I definitely felt like I had, I'm capable of more. Um, and I really wanted to showcase that, especially in that field. Um, but, but in saying that, like, I gave everything I had. I did not have an ounce more to give. In fact, I think some of my soul is still out on the streets of New York. Like, I don't <laughs> think it has fully come back yet. Do you know where you left it? Oh, my God. I left like it on, like, I, Fifth I, for Avenue. For me, it was mile 16. Yeah, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> That's where it happened. Like, 16 to 17, I was like, yeah. I got this. It's, like, I'm leading with Molly. Like, the crowd is, like, deafening. You're just, like, running off this adrenaline. Like, you're coming off the Queensboro Bridge. Like, you're feeling pretty good. And then 17 to 18... It just, like, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, eight miles is a long way <laughs> home when you're like, it's, there it goes. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have uh, the depth to cover that move. Um, you know, and, like, I, I did a pretty short block. I did, like, about an eight-week marathon block uh, because mm. I started late with my Achilles coming off the track season, and then I had this calf thing flare up three weeks out. That took me out for almost two weeks. Um, so I just ran out of fitness, uh, really. Uh, and so it was just kind of like digging into my soul and like the depths of what I had left to just get through that race. So I'm really proud of the race that I ran. Um, I ran, a you know, my second fastest marathon time, fastest on the course by a minute and a half. Um, so again, eighth was a little, I felt like I fell short place wise, but then at the same time I was like, well, I gave it everything I had. Um, I ran as hard as I possibly could, uh, and I'm really proud of that effort. Um, and again, like it was just an incredible field of women and you were going to have to bring your A game if you wanted to be up in it. So, um, definitely leaves me wanting more, but it leaves me excited for what's to come for sure. Oh, and then to answer well, your next second, year, we already got yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going back <laughs> <laughs> to answer your second question. Uh, yeah, I plan to continue doing what I did, uh, for my buildup, uh, for New York. Um, do the self-coaching thing, pick people's brains along the way when I feel like I need to do that. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my block and I feel like I'm in a really good place and, uh, just going to keep it going. Big, big picture between you, you, I feel like women's running right now is on fire, like especially in the marathon distance. Well, I mean, track everything, you know, uh, on up, but I, I just, when we look at the depth that's coming out like Kira D'Amato, you know, Sarah, you got Emma. Annie Frisbee. Got, Holy you know, shit. That was an yeah, incredible debut yeah, in New York. She was unbelievable. Yeah. She told us she ran with you for a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, she and I battled. I thought I killed together. her off. Like I dropped her at like 19. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I think I'm good. I just have to like catch Kellen. But like Kellen was not coming back to me. Um, and then with 5k to go, I feel a presence and I was like, no, like it can't be. And she just oh, flew she's by me. Uh, no hesitation. With that a smile on her face, move. probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, it was fun um, getting to know her. <laughs> you know, but what I'm thinking is our program keeps getting stronger and you guys are getting more competitive uh, with every field that you guys put out there. Do you think that we're going to be able to at some point now people talk about the Kenyans and we talk about, you know, first American first, this and that. Do you believe that the U S women's running is going to be the powerhouse that other people are going to look to 
from around the world. I do. I mean, I think you're already seeing that with what Molly Seidel did in Tokyo. Um, you know, with what Shalane did in New York, what Desi did in Boston, like you're what Sarah Hall's doing. She ran two twenty. Like you're seeing these consecutive performances that are proving what American women are capable of, and those women continue to pave the way uh, for the younger generations to see that, like people like Annie, and then who come out there and have the confidence that they too can do that, regardless of age, regardless of experience, like. Everyone is looking at these performances being like, this is what we're capable of. Like, this is the depth of what our country has right now. And it's really, really exciting. And so I definitely think you've already started to see that. And I think you're just going to continue seeing that um, at an even higher level as we move forward, which, again, is why it's such a great time to be in the sport um, and to kind of be part of that. Um, It's just really, really cool. That's awesome. All right, so we know you're doing New York in 2022. (laughs) Is there anything (laughs) coming up in the near future? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I do this thing after marathons where, like, I, like, crash and burn, which is why I think it's really impressive uh, that you, Megan, can go out there and do another one so close together. (laughs) I don't know if I could do it. I just, like, emotionally kind of fall apart. Um, so right now I have nothing on my schedule other than like a vacation. (laughs) Um, but I think I'm playing around with, um, doing us cross in January. I think cross country is a great way to kind of like get back into racing, just rip that bandage, um, have fun with it. Like I said, it's still, it's still my love. Um, so I think I'd like to kick the year off with that. Uh, and then is that up in Michigan? Um, I want to say it's in San Diego. But I don't know if that's okay. correct. In January, Michigan. You were very wrong. Be, yeah, yeah, January, <laughs> Michigan would be actually I would thrive. <laughs> like the tougher and like yeah. grosser the conditions, like I really come alive. So I would that's prefer you. it in Michigan right. over San Diego, but <laughs> I don't think anyone else feels that <laughs> way. <laughs> Especially the announcers. Yeah, they're like, uh, no. Race race provide. Yeah, that's fine. Well San Diego sounds great. Yeah. Um, all right. We just have a few end of podcast questions, and then we'll let you go here. Um, Wait, I, I've got a new end of podcast question. Do you want no, to start with that one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. There's here we go. Two kinds of people: people who enjoy Will Ferrell movies and people who don't. <laughs> what kind of person are you? I love Will Ferrell. I the only thing I did like him in I don't I didn't like him in The Office. Not a Will Ferrell fan. What about when it Sherlock? Came to the Office, but everything else I love. Will what about Ferrell. Sherlock? What was it? Holmes and Watson? That one was That horrible. one was really bad. <laughs> but, I don't think I saw that but one. But when you said why. San Diego. Don't. Okay. Oh, Laura, don't watch it. it. it it's, it's not even ironically funny. No. It's like, it's That's the thing bad. with Will. It's just but like when, it can be very hit or miss, like that humor. And it kind of like, it has to, it doesn't yeah. always land. Do you have a, Will, do you have a favorite quote? Okay. I'm a huge Blades of Glory fan. I think that's one of Will Ferrell's best yes. movies. Um, and I'm so bad on the spot. I should be able to pull a quote from that because I like have memorized that entire movie, but I like can't think of anything right now, but that is one of his best movies and I think it's underrated. Okay. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so we'll put that on the Netflix approved list yes. from Laura Three. Yes. Blades yeah. of Glory. Yeah. It is so great. It is a classic. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yes. Okay. Headphones or no headphones during a solo run? Ooh. I kind of go either way, but uh, I've been doing headphones lately. I've had a really great mix of music, so I've been doing headphones on easy runs. 
All right. Is your mix of music all Taylor Swift? Oh my God, you know me so well. It's freaking me out. Yes. Have you guys listened? So she just re-released Red. So I have spent the entire weekend listening to nothing but that album. Um, and if I was running right now, that's all I would be listening to 100%. Such a great album. It's definitely, it's in my top three Taylor Swift albums. It's such a good one. I love it. I think we could be great friends. I think so too, <laughs> Megan. I really like the vibe we're, we're kicking off here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is your celebratory post-race meal or beverage or both? Yeah, so I always, especially after a marathon, I always do a burger and fries, sweet potato fries if available. Um, and then I do like a blue moon or in New York, I did a Corona with a lime. Um, I just felt like I All just right. do like a light beer. It's like, it's, it's what I have to start with. So. <laughs> well, I like that's what you start with yeah. and then it escalates <laughs> yeah. from there. That's what I start <laughs> with and then I just progress from there. <laughs> do you find it hard to get uh, drunk after Oh my God, it's so like... hard. I really want to tell this story, <laughs> right? but I what don't know that? if it's appropriate. <laughs> it's so hard. Oh, tell then it. you have this to. Is good. You, have yes, to. you guys can't it. judge me. This is so embarrassing, but I'm going to put it out there. Okay, so I went to the New York Roadrunners dinner, which was unbelievable. They rented out this huge restaurant, uh, like champagnes flowing, cocktails. Like they had $15,000 cognac. Like it was insane. So I start wow. there. And then from there, Molly Seidel, her coach John, my friend Marcus and I decide to go to this other party at the Standard. It's like a Brooklyn Track Club party. Emma was there. Some of my other friends who had come out were all there. So we leave. Oh, and Annie and her boyfriend came with us. So we leave the New York Roadrunners Center. We go to this party. I get there and I'm like, I am not on this level. Like, I, I've been up for like 15 hours. Like, I'm in so much pain still. I was like, I'm not on this level, but I'm going to try to be on this level. You know, like, I just, I've o I always <laughs> want to go out after a marathon and I never successfully am able to. So I was like, I'm doing it tonight. So we get to this party and one of my friends is like, what do you want? And I was like, get me a tequila shot. Like, I'm a tequila girl. That's always my, like, tried and true. So they're like, all right. So they get me this tequila shot. To be fair, I didn't get a chaser. The bartender told me they didn't have any chasers. I didn't get salt or a lime. So I just want to put that. And it was well tequila. Oh. So ah. <laughs> I take this shot. Like five, it hits here and it's coming back up. I put my mm. hands out. I'm starting to throw up in my hands at the bar. So I start running through the crowd and I find a trash can. I just start throwing up aggressively into uh, this trash can in the middle of this Brooklyn track club party. So like, after like four minutes of like, there's nobody, there's no video. Of no, this? I, <laughs> there probably is somewhere. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So after like three minutes of like just throwing up everything, I like kind of like stand away from the trash can and I'm like looking around at like who saw it. <laughs> My friend Marcus is standing behind me and he just starts shaking his head. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know if that's a good sign for the rest of your night. And I was like, yeah, no, it definitely isn't. So like 20 minutes later, Molly comes back over and she's like, dude, I got an Uber. And I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I can't be here anymore. <laughs> so I was in bed at like 1130. <laughs> Tried so Man. hard. <laughs> you guys, uh, I swear. Man. Yeah, that was amazing. So to answer your question, yeah. totally worth I don't it for really that story. go out after marathons, um, but I tried <laughs> and it didn't end well for me. <laughs> I mean, it's New York City. You got to give it a I shot. I agree. That's what I told myself. Uh, I was and you like, did. I have to try and rally. Yeah. And I tried really hard to rally and it wasn't happening. <laughs> 
You get points for trying. Nothing feels better than when you first pull the the comforter back and put your head on that pillow. (laughs) I like got back to the room and like sat on the bed and I was like out cold. Like I was out. So yeah, Mm. I wasn't going to make it very far. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. Okay. This is our last question for you. If you weren't a professional runner, what would you be doing? Ooh, that's a tequila shot chaser. Yeah, yeah I'd be doing that. Shot girl. Shot girl. At the Brooklyn yeah, track clearly club. I'd be so good at that. Um, oh, that's a really good question. What would I be doing? Um, I don't know. Oh, man. Can I g- give you a suggestion? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. What do you think I should do? All right. You seem to be a pretty good coach. I mean, you've got one athlete that you got all the way to eighth place at New York City Marathon. I think perhaps maybe coaching could be in your future. See, you read my mind. I was thinking that because I've been a high school coach for 10 years um, and I absolutely love it. It has just brought like new joy into my own running. Um, And now that I'm coaching myself, yeah, I definitely think it would be really fun to coach at the collegiate level somewhere down the track um, or coach, yeah, to some capacity. I think I would really enjoy that. So you're right. God, you guys know me. I feel like we've been friends forever. (laughs) It also works in with your degree a little bit. I mean, you were going to do social work and, and working with people yeah. and coaching them is somewhat along the line. Yeah. So no, I there think, I think that could be my calling that or shot girl. So I think I have like two really good options moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> solid. <laughs> Both very solid. Oh man. All right, Laura, thank you so much. Yeah, for... Sorry about the technical no difficulties. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. that was on my you're end, a champ. So I felt really bad, but we got through it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Laura. We sure did. I, and if you listened all the way to the end, you got that amazing story of the tequila shot, which I will, I, I don't think I'd be able to meet her without thinking about that moment. I got to listen to this interview now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. All right. All right, so that wraps it up. Meg, anybody you want to thank? Yes, thank you, Nick Sanchez, as always, our producer, for making us sound somewhat decent. Thanks to listeners for always tuning in. and Make sure you rate, rate this podcast and give it a review. I'm going to give two shout-outs this week for our uh, last drop club, and it's going to go to Lisa Jenkins and Lance Volker. Lisa and Lance. Yeah, I know that many sound of like you are, outlaws. Re- are repeat last drop people that i get messages from so we try to keep it fresh and get new people if you want to be uh get your shout out go ahead dm us let us know that you're listening all the way to this bittersweet end or email us at info at bigrunmedia.com yeah did you say goodbye to your mom hi mom bye mom hi mom bye mom ciao